Hey, Vanessa. Hey, Michael. What noise does an elephant make? Um, you know, I'm not doing that on the radio. Come on. <laughs> Why is that funny? Is that the best you can do? No, it's not, but I'm not doing it again. One more time. No. Come on. Nope. We don't have much time. Why? Go. No. Go. <laughs> Welcome to Fireproof Your Finances, a show with 30 minutes of real questions, real concepts, and real answers. Your hosts are Michael and Vanessa Markey, a husband and wife duel with a playful on-air dynamic and common sense approach toward teaching listeners how to take control of their finances. Michael is the numbers and strategies guy who is passionate about solving financial issues. The standard deviation. I mean, I talk about standard deviation as well, but they talk about the, the beta, the alpha, the standard deviation of the particular uh, mutual fund allocation that we're looking at. Vanessa is the down-to-earth voice of reason, pulling his reins in. Okay, but your $5,000 couch isn't going to turn around and pay for something if you have a catastrophic event. This philosophy has led Michael and his firm, Legacy Financial Network, to receive national recognition from being named one of the 10 most innovative agencies in the country by AM Best, to being deemed a local celebrity from Insurance Newsnet magazine and a hero to the insurance industry from Life Health Pro. He has even been given the Moving America Forward Award from William Shatner. And now, here are your hosts, Michael and Vanessa Markey. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Fireproof Your Finances. We are your hosts, Michael and Vanessa. Hi, everyone. And today's show is going to be dangerously close being political. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't call it dangerously close. I'd call it kind of, yeah. I don't, no, I don't think it is. Okay. It's just math. Uh-huh. It is. Yep. Did you know, I know you know this because we were talking about it, but for our listeners, did you know that there is tax-free investing outside or not limited to a Roth IRA? How many people do you think understand that? Not very many. Because I didn't know it until today. Yes, you did. Because we've talked about it before. Yeah. But we watch the debates. Yes. Not political. Mm-hmm. And I loved your line where you said, I haven't been as frustrated watching something like this until, or, not, or since. The last set of debates. Yes. Uh, the Republican debates. Because no one answers anything. No. But there was a few things that we heard that I think stuck out to me, and I wanted to do a little fact-checking, and I wanted to then tell you how it affects your personal finance. Correct. So there was one that really has nothing to do with either of those, but it was about employer health care not being attached and almost saying that, I remember the line, it was, and there are some people who have to stay in a job just because it has good health care. Almost like, and you won't believe this, some employers give good health care. How dare they? Right, like it's a travesty that they will offer it. Right. Heaven forbid they help you out. I can't wait till we have employers who give no more insurance. Like that just seemed odd. Yes. But more importantly, let's talk about capital gains right now. So we have ordinary income rates, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to make this too boring, but sometimes we look, I think back of the Mitt Romney days. Okay. And do you remember when he said he paid an effective rate of 20%? Yes. And everyone went off the cliff about it. Mm-hmm. Like, well, we pay Crazy. more than that. Right. Because there is something called effective rate and a marginal rate. Okay. So your effective tax rate is just take what you brought in 
and take what you paid in tax. Mm-hmm. Divide the tax into the income. Okay. So let's say Mitt, I, I have no idea what he brought in. Let's say it was $10 million. Okay. His effective rate, though, if it was 20%, like he said, means he paid $2 million in taxes. Right. Now, a marginal rate, at that time, I think the top marginal rate was 38%. He would have been in the 38% tax bracket. Correct. But we have what's called a progressive, nothing to do with far slinging left. Right. No, progressive interest rate. Progressive tax rates. Well, tax rate, yeah. Which means that if you go into a new tax bracket, now, rule of thumb here, there are a few provisions that this doesn't hold true. Okay. In ordinary income world. You go into the next tax bracket, only those dollars that go into that bracket are taxed at that new rate. Right. So if you're in the 10% bracket, I'm going to use round numbers, married couple, Mm -hmm. about zero to just about $20,000 of income after deductions. Right. Okay. Standard deductions about $24,000 with no kids and all. Well, that's just standard. So about $44,000 of income. You pay 10% on that income. But only on the 20. Correct. So you would then pay two grand of tax. On 40, you've got an effective rate of five. Right. Ish. Make sense? Yes. And if you had $45,000 of income, only that next thousand is taxed at the next bracket, which is 12%. Right. That's how it works. But the capital gains rate. So you got the ordinary income rate. That's what you pay. To, that's the rate you pay on like wages, mm-hmm. things like that. Capital gains rate, though. If you're in the zero, if you're in the 10% ordinary income bracket or the 12% ordinary income bracket, which by the way, you can have well over a hundred thousand, you can be at about $110,000 because the 12% bracket ends right around 80. Mm -hmm. So if, if you're making some 401k contributions and you've got the, let's say you're putting $10,000 in the 401k Mm -hmm. and you're just using the standard deduction of 24,000. Okay. You can therefore have about $114,000 of income and still be in that 12% bracket. Right. So that's going to be most of America right there right. in the 10 or the 12. If you're in the 10% ordinary income bracket or the 12% ordinary income bracket, what is your capital gains rate? I have no idea. Yes, you do. We talked about it. Zero. Boom. Say it with confidence. Zero. One more time. Like the elephant. Zero. Why would an elephant say zero? Stop. It's zero. So I'm watching the debate last week. Yes, it was last week. And they were talking about how wealthy people and wealthy individuals, and I'm not going to get into this Amazon thing. Right, because we don't have time for that. You know, and I, and I, quite frankly, I am curious about it. Like, I am curious to dig into it and see, are they really paying zero tax? What does that mean? We'll right. find out, but not today. But they talk about how wealthier people are benefiting from a reduced rate. They're referring to the capital gains rate. Right. Because the capital gains rate is this, 0, 15%, 20%. It's tiered, okay? Mm -hmm. So if somebody's in that 30-something percent ordinary income bracket, but they're using the capital gains rate, now you can't just use it. There's rules to follow. And I I don't want to get too deep, but I guess just simply... It's investments that are not in an employer plan, are not in a retirement plan that you've held for more than a year. Okay. I'm being really vague and maybe overly simplistic there, but that's going to, for the most part, describe it accurately. Right. So you've held on to it for 30, 365 days plus one. one. Well, that's what they're referring to, that if they're in that 30-something percent ordinary income bracket and they get taxed at 20, 
But it's unfair because look at this tax break they're getting. It's not a break, though. They're just taking advantage of the system. They're using, they're not even taking advantage of the system. They're using the rules. Right. So today I want to really talk about this capital gains, right? I also want to say, is it fair that we isolate stock market gains and say that that doesn't benefit everyday people? No. And are real wages for everyday Americans actually growing? And, you know, and again, this is where I say it's going to be dangerously close to political. It's just math. I was watching a video. It made me curious. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go into those things. Tax rates, really fun. It will be somewhat fun. Maybe. It won't be too bad. You drank all my coffee this morning, so I'm, you I'm can, you running can, on low juice You can here. hear it, too. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I should really limit it to one. Right. In the break, you can have an espresso. No. Wage gap. Not wage gap, wage increases, are they happening? Tax rates, and is it fair to compare to say that a growing stock market doesn't help everyday people? And is that just a Republican saying? We'll see when we come back. Do you deserve an A on your financial report card, or are you just winging it? The nonprofit International Association of Registered Financial Consultants knows that proper planning results in a positive performance. Their members are experienced, ethical professionals who can help you develop and implement a financial plan successfully. Visit www.iarfc.org to find a member in your area today. Everyone knows I like to focus on quality. And they know I try to rein you in and focus on cost. It's rare to find both top quality and low cost at the same time. Think again, grmusiclessons.com has a plan for every budget. Owned and operated by Tom Buffum, a Christian music teacher who played for the Grand Rapids Symphony, the Jubal Brass Choir, and graduated from the University of Michigan. He's been giving lessons since before we were born. Go to grmusiclessons.com. That's grmusiclessons.com. Welcome back, everybody, to segment two of Fireproof Your Finances. We're going to get political. No, we're not. <laughs> yes, we are. No, we're not. <laughs> the first question, though. Is it a Republican, um, what do they call it, talking point? Is it a Republican talking point to say stock market growth is a good thing? And that's a reflection not only of our economy, but also what it's doing for everyday people. Um, if you watch the news at all, that's what they say it is. They do now. Yes. Today. Today. In 2019. Correct. What about and the Democrats don't think it's good What about idea. 2010? 2011, 2012. Um, I mean, they probably did. Hmm. No, they actually didn't. They reversed it and said that it was not. I don't know. I didn't watch back then. It's a good thing you're pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> All right. So here's a video. I'm trying to see where it's from. Uh, I don't know. Some dude named David Rutz. But what it's going to do is splices in. It's a uh, compilation of a number, a number of interviews with. I'm going to guess based on all the related videos, CNN. All right, we'll see. MSNBC, actually. Let's go ahead and play. Two years after the worst recession most of us have ever known, the stock market has come roaring back. The stock market recovered, so people's 401ks and retirement accounts got replenished. And I'm glad. Oh, just by the way, in case you can't tell from the voice. That's Obama. Former President Barack Obama. Let's show a little respect there, uh -huh. Mrs. Vanderbilt. Yeah. 
that corporate profits are high, and I'm glad that the stock market is booming. Wait, what? He's glad. Hold on. No. Yes. I'm going to read. He just said I'm glad. He did not. I'm glad the stock markets are booming. Uh Uh-uh. Corporate profits are high, and I'm glad that the stock market is booming. Wait, what was high? Corporate markets. Corporate profits are high, and I'm glad. Mm, One more time. Evan. Corporate profits are high, and I'm glad hmm. that the stock market is booming. Home values are back on the rise. Stock market's nearly doubled. Home values are rising. The stock market has rebounded. The stock market is rebounding. A stock market that has doubled. And the stock market has now doubled. Even as the stock market shatters records, the stock market has more than doubled since 2009. And since I took office, the stock market has more than doubled. Corporate profits are up, stock market's up. But we did it, and the stock market doubled. Stock market's doing great. The stock market's nearly tripled. The stock market was down uh, when I first took office in the first few months I was in office, uh, about 3,000 points lower than it is now. Hmm. So based on what I'm seeing on TV today, has this gotten political? Because I, I don't want it to be, but I think it has. Yes, it's I not, told though. you so. That, well, hmm. based on that right there, that means that President, former President Barack Obama's term, his legacy then was the stock market was known was building correct was healthcare and building wealth for corporations, wealthy Americans. Yes. So this is where I disagree. They've <laughs> got a little bit of a satire tone here. Because what's happening right now is when these Republican talking points, as we've watched these debates, they keep using stock market performance and saying that doesn't benefit everyday people. Correct. That is irrelevant. They almost make it sound like it's a negative. It is. Because it only benefits wealthy Americans. Right. Yet seven years ago, five years ago. Corporate profits and increasing stock market rates. Helped, helped everyone. Yes. So then it, this is where this started. from. Let's go back one more time. Do I like, do I think it's fair? There's a lot of things I don't think are fair. Is it necessarily a good thing that we have different capital gains rate and or versus ordinary income? Yes. I don't know. You know, I don't even know that's my argument. Quite frankly, I don't really care. Well, right. If you're going to use the tools that you're given... To better yourself, why not? It's what it is. Yes. And I think our duty here isn't sitting and going, well, look at how unfair and look at the the wealth gap. Because quite frankly, six years ago, this wasn't a wealth gap. This was helping America. Now it's a bad thing. Six years ago, it was helping push the country forward. And now it's bringing it back into the Stone Age. Right. I, I hate this double talk. Right. Where income inequality is horrific and the stock market's not doing anything for anybody. But what if we sat there and focused on, hey, everyday Americans, did you know this rule would allow you to have tax-free growth? How cool is that? Right, but everyday Americans don't know that. Because we gloss over it and we make things political, and that's why I'm trying not to. But instead of talking about all this bad part on how the wealthy people are taking advantage of it. Why don't we instead talk about, hey, here's how you can benefit from rules that are quote unquote wealthy people only use. Right. And it's a reason, you know, it's a it's a huge reason on maybe why everyday Americans should be scrimping and saving a little bit more and putting money away in some type of like e trade account. 
mm-hmm. or Schwab. And I get it that it's hard and it's daunting and maybe it's overwhelming. But if you want to increase your wealth or you want to increase your standard of living, there's really only one way. You have to become uncomfortable. Right. And that uncomfortable is going to be various things. It might be, for example, taking on a second job. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a bad thing. No. Millions of people have done it for years. Because if you want to better your your lifestyle, you work for it. Right. And is it fair? Fine. No, it's not fair. Right. Life happens. Things happen. Yeah. Most of what life happens isn't fair. Correct. So let's take our last break. And when we come back, I want to talk about wage increases. Because I was watching a video that said um, that wage increases aren't happening. And so I dug into some statistics and actually using things like NPR, which I think would be tilted against what were the findings that we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. And what's the best way to increase nominal income or increase wages? There's actually a very simple answer, but we'll go over that when we return. Everyone knows I like to focus on quality. And they know I try to rein you in and focus on cost. It's rare to find both top quality and low cost at the same time. Think again. GRMusicLessons.com has a plan for every budget. Owned and operated by Tom Buffum, a Christian music teacher who played for the Grand Rapids Symphony, the Jubal Brass Choir, and graduated from the University of Michigan. He's been giving lessons since before we were born. Go to GRMusicLessons.com. That's GRMusicLessons.com. United Airlines makes it easy to fly from Muskegon County Airport with a travel-friendly schedule and competitive airfares. Haven't flown from Muskegon in a while? Fly locally with a short commute and parking located just steps from the terminal. Check-in and security lines are never more than 50 passengers per flight. At the end of your trip, get your bags quickly and be home in no time. Flights depart daily at 6.30 a.m. and 1 p.m. Starting mid-February, the evening flight arrives at 11.20 p.m. to maximize return flight options from most locations. It pays to check Muskegon first at united.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the final segment of Fireproof Your Finances. It's always our pleasure to be with you. Remember, you can join us. You can join the conversation, continue the conversation on Twitter. At Fireproof Show. On Twitter. Dot com. <laughs> so you kind of feel like that hotels.com. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's Expedia. Dot oh, com. Yeah, yeah, it was. But anyway. So we're talking about, I guess, wage inequality. We're talking. I'm trying to not be political here. I, but whatever, I guess maybe it is. Um, but we're talking about instead of focusing on the bad and going, oh, look at this. Look at this tax loophole. It's not a loophole when it's a commonly known tax code. Correct. It's a rule. And it's it's not some, you know, high in the pie sky rule. High in the pie sky rule. Know. It, you know, it rhymes. High in the sky. There, yes, that's what I was looking for. Yes. <laughs> I'm and you're the one that drank coffee this morning. I, yeah, I'm horrible with sayings, though. I never get them right. Right. But it's not. It's not a hard one to find. Correct. And I, the thing that gets me on this is everyone should know these rules because they're not hard to use and we can use them to benefit you. Right. And are wealthy people using them too? Sure. But that doesn't mean you can't. I mean, right. there's wealthy people driving on US 31 rather than US 31 business route. Correct. And it's not 
their fault that they are utilizing a rule and you are not. And so then the you know the thing becomes we'll change the rule. Maybe. Not Maybe, but then are you going to use the new rule because you're not using the sure. old one? Mm -hmm. So we also went over that the stock market gains. Is it fair to say that's a Republican talking point? And is that an insight or should it be used as an insight for a growing economy that helps everyday people? Mm -hmm. You know what? Both parties have used it. Correct. Not a political statement. So here's a video I did find on CNN Business, and it talks about these gains. Or I'm sorry, talks about wage inequality and how it's been growing. Growth than, say, middle-wage workers and, say, typical workers. In such a tight labor market, you'd expect strong growth for wages across the board. But that's not the case for middle-class workers. Here we can see that the wage growth for the median workers since 2016 has been 2.6%, while the top 5%, it's been 4.2%. But one interesting fact is... Oh, by the way, wage growth would ignore the capital gains. This is right. just income. Right. Anyway, let's keep going. That we have seen gains in the very bottom sector. In fact, they've gained more percentage-wise than their counterparts in the highest. Almost 5%. So we got about 5% for the bottom 10%, mm -hmm. about 25 for median, okay. and then that top 5% is a little over 4. I think he said 4.2? Yes. So about 5, 25, round 4. To Trump's supporters, that's proof that Trump's policies are working. You've got, for the first time, according to the Wall Street Journal a few weeks ago, the biggest wage increases have been for the lowest income people. So we are reducing income inequality through free market capitalism and, and through the tax cuts, more investment by businesses, a tight labor market. That's the best thing you can do for you know working class Americans. Now, it should be noted that one of the reasons for that boost in the bottom has been an increasing minimum wage, not the federal minimum wage, that's been stuck at 725 for more than a decade, but the local minimum wages, those changes have had a real impact on raising the wages of the working class. So, and then they bring an economist in about it. This is what got me though, because you and I have seen firsthand what an increased minimum wage sometimes can do. Correct. We were in, tell everybody about our, San Francisco. Ex yeah, ex our experience in San Francisco. If we went into a restaurant, uh, I mean, you had, and these were not small restaurants. You had mm -hmm. two, maybe three servers, if you were lucky, doing the entire restaurant. We had we went for sushi one night. Yes. And we had, I think it was one server for the entire restaurant. Correct. How long did it take you to get served? At least an hour and a half. For sushi. Correct. And by served, I mean, it was an hour and a half after you ordered. Right. It wasn't an hour and a half from when we walked in the door. Because one of the things they did in the city of San Francisco is they said $15 minimum wage, but that also included tipped employees. So you didn't you didn't get, you know, $10. And then if you didn't get $5 in tips, they made up the difference. It was $15, 15. plus your tips. Yes. And as we talked to people, what the result of that had been was fewer, you know, fewer servers. Fewer servers, which then resulted in poor service. Not because it's a server's fault, it's because they're too overwhelmed. And then I think every meal that we had, something got comped. Because every. it either came out of the kitchen mm -hmm. wrong, it took forever, it was cold. Like literally every single meal, be it with just the two of us or with a group of people, like half the meal ended up getting comped every time because there was a problem. Mm -hmm. So you're losing a ton of money. But that's an entirely different argument. It was right. just what happens 
is we saw fewer employees with fewer uh, hours. Right. But the statement that they made there was that a lot of the growth to that bottom 10% was increases to the minimum wage. But you know what I found out is that a lot of that inc- those increases to minimum wage happened prior to 2017. Mm-hmm. So as an example, in 2014, Connecticut passed legislation to raise the minimum wage from 870 an hour to 1010 per hour. By what year do you think? 2017. Hmm. Making it one of about six states at the time to aim for $10 an hour or more. In 2014 and 15, several cities, including... San Francisco. Seattle, Los Angeles, and Washington, D.C. passed ordinances that gradually increased the minimum wage to $15 an hour. 2016, New York and California became first states to do it, followed by Massachusetts in 18. But, you know, here again is 2014, uh, 2017. I mean, we're seeing all this and, and a lot. So... And then in addition to that, there have been increases since then. I'm trying to see if I can find it real quick. Uh, Let's see. Eight states from 2017 to 2018, eight states increased their minimum wage levels through automatic adjustments. That's eight out of 50. While increased in 11 others occurred through referendum or legislative action. So did that contribute then to that 5% increase for that lower? Sure. But it was there before that. Right. It was there a while before that. So you can't then just say, well, that's the reason. Right. I did see one other thing, though, that I thought was very interesting. So we people that want to hire minimum wage or champion places like San Francisco that you and I witnessed firsthand that I thought made service worse, Mm -hmm. made us want to be a consumer less. Mm -hmm. And visually, I would argue, led to decreased number of workers and those workers having fewer hours, you know, therefore fewer hours. So thus affecting people maybe the worst. Here's what's interesting, though. So San Francisco has that $15 minimum wage, right? Right. Um, now here, and I'm, I'm trying to see the source. Uh, ben Castleman from 538, which is a statistics kind of company, um, also using the New York City's Comptroller's office. They had a report. Work, What is it? Working but still struggling the case for a New York City minimum wage. Yeah. Okay. Federal minimum wage in the United States is seven twenty-five an hour, right? Yes. San Francisco is fifteen. Yep. If we adjusted, now this is based on twenty fifteen, you adjust for cost of living for select U.S. cities. Guess what their effective minimum wage was in San Francisco? Seven dollars and three cents. Mm-hmm. New York City. Look at their three dollars the and eighty-six cents hmm. an hour, which. Brings up a great point that the cost of living, you know, maybe this shouldn't be a federal decision because the cost of living varies. Does anybody argue with that? That the cost of living drastically varies depending where you live? No, not really. I mean, if you live in the city of Grand Rapids, Metro Grand Rapids, Mm -hmm. if I want to get a, I had a client talk to me about a deck they had built. If I want to get a deck built, is that going to be more expensive in Metro Grand Rapids area? Then if I'm way up in, give me some like Hart, Alpina or yeah, Alpina or Hart, Michigan. Right. It's going to be significantly more expensive. Right. Well, why? Because there's higher demand for it. There's and more people. It's a city. Higher labor hour, huh? Correct. Or cost of labor. So maybe my my product or materials won't be more, but the labor will be. Yes. Does anybody listening argue with that? I don't think so. So those things vary based on where you're at. And we've... Well, and nobody argues with it, but nobody also seems to think that that's a problem. But saying, you know, 
using San Francisco, let's say everything worked swimmingly there, okay? Mm-hmm. And you go, well, San Francisco has $15 an hour, so therefore Grand Rapids should too. You know what? Our cost of living in Grand Rapids is far lower than the cost of living in San Francisco. Correct. So using that and saying that that wouldn't affect jobs, well, or it wouldn't affect the economy, of course it would, because you can't compare those two things. Correct. And anyway, that's about all the time we have for today. Hopefully what we got from this is that it's just math. And there's a lot of double talk when it comes to this. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot of rules out there. Find somebody who will help you take advantage of those. It's not manipulating the system. It's using it. It's having, yeah, it's using it. It's having a guide, having a GPS. There's a reason your GPS takes you on US 31, the highway, rather than US 31, the business route. Correct. And if you have a stupid GPS like mine, every time you want to go to Milwaukee, it's some reason puts you on a ferry. <laughs> right. It's because you need to uncheck ferry. Why is that a default to take a ferry? Because some people do it. But then the default, you know what it should do? It should take me straight to the airport. That'd be faster. Right. On that bombshell, that's all the time we have for today. This has been another episode of Fireproof Your Finances. Till next week, we are your hosts. God bless. This has been Fireproof Your Finances. For more information, contact Michael J. Markey Jr. of Legacy Financial Network. Call toll-free at 855-LF-NETWORK or online at LegacyFinancialNetwork.com. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Mike Markey and Legacy Financial Network are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any government agency.